This episode of TC Spotlight is brought to you by our community partners, Old North State Coffee Roasters, The Lighthouse Store, Fortis Wealth Management, The ECC Small Business Center, Media Mix Solutions, Ad Region Marketing, Simmons & Harris, Metro Maintenance, and Factory 633 Wedding and Events. Welcome back to another episode of the TC Spotlight. My name is Benton Moss. I'm one of the hosts, and I've got my founder, my co-founder, and my co-host, Turner Vatipka, here with us. Today, we've got a special guest, Councilman TJ Walker, Ward... Ward 4. Correct. Yeah, okay, good. Uh, Councilman TJ Walker, he's also a pastor. He's a singer. He's a father. He's a husband. He's Mayor Pro Tem. And I'm sure there's some other things in there, too. <laughs> he's just TJ. TJ being TJ. Welcome to the to the spotlight, TJ. Thanks for coming on, man. Man, thank you guys for having me. So why don't we start uh, just with your background and uh, where you're from? What brings you to the position you are in today? What motivates you? Uh, give us some of your background. Give us your backstory. Definitely. So um, I'm born and raised in Rocky Mount. Uh, 1992, I grew up on Sycamore Street. And uh, I spent some time in between Sycamore Street and Edgecombe County in Pine Tops, North Carolina. So uh, that's sort of my upbringing as far as geographical. Uh, my parents uh, both stayed in Rocky Mount, grandparents in Rocky Mount. And so uh, Rocky Mount is, uh, is home for me. It's home for my family. Uh, I've got a sister. We're 14 months apart. Um, and I went to Northern Ash High. And Rocky Mount, so I'm a. You went to both. I went to both. That's terrible. But I think yeah. that he claims the Griffons. If I, I I'm mean, a, I'm a Griffon alone. So uh, okay. I, I always I will put you under the gun too bad. I'll put you under the gun. I went to Nass Central. <laughs> which of those? Which of those was better? <laughs> Man, senior high was the best experience. Uh, I tell people all the time, Northern was like family, because I spent my time there for three years, mm-hmm. and so. So your senior year, you went to Rocky Mountain. My senior year, I transferred to Rocky Mountain. I didn't realize that. For some reason, I thought you were like a Griffon through and through. Now I kind of view you a little different. No, man. I'm, <laughs> I I wear both colors, man. So Green. did you play You play basketball, right? Basketball, football. Uh, I ran track a little. Okay. Did I, you play basketball at Northern with Michael Brackett? Brackett was – so Brackett's my neighbor. Okay. Yeah, we grew after – so we moved from Sycamore to Bud Farm by the time I was in middle school. Right. So Brackett is, Brackett's. He's two years younger than you then. If you're 92, he's 94. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, me and Michael, we grew up playing outside okay. all the time. Yeah, man. so he and I are really good buddies. Okay. Yeah, but that's what, I played him in tennis and, and all these things. I was at his wedding a few months ago. Yeah. But uh, it's yeah. just funny because I, I know you went to Northern, so I assume you played with him and uh, Julian Cowell probably not, but a couple other guys. Yeah, man. Uh, so... I'm trying to think from you know, that team. Uh, Mitchell, Mitchell Mitch Wells. was on. Yeah, so funny story about Mitch. Uh, our freshman year, we made it to the playoffs at Northern. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, actually, it was Mitch freshman year. Yeah. I yeah. was a sophomore. sophomore? Yeah. yeah. So sophomore, junior, one or the other. We played Kinston High first round of the playoffs. They had Reggie Bullock. And, uh, <laughs> Ouch. <laughs> and Reggie wasn't even the best guy on the team. Ooh, that's tough. So, uh, yeah, we went there, man. And a couple guys, <laughs> Coach Ruffin, who was our coach at the time, mm-hmm. uh, a couple guys didn't come to the Saturday morning practice before the game. It was like on a Monday night. So he was like, you know, you guys are not even playing. And so they decided to just not even travel. 
So we went down at the time. Mitch was, you know, he was coming off the bench. He was right. a freshman. He was fat know. then, too. He's a lot bigger. Oh, uh, yeah. Him, Sam Hughes <laughs> was a freshman, I think. Uh, so it was like me and maybe one other junior or, or sophomore on the team, whatever yeah, yeah. the case. And we go down and play the team that eventually goes on to win the state championship that year. Yeah. And we get beat by like 50 points. I bet you did. <laughs> I bet you did. That was oh, the craziest that's experience tough. ever. Oh, that's that's hilarious. Yeah. Yep. Craziest experience. But um, Northern and Senior High, yeah. So I, I spent my time between the two. Uh, but Northern was just like family. Senior High, they embraced me just like family. So it turned out to be a good transition. You have a fat ring on your finger that has yeah, an RM man. on it. Talk about that. A state championship 2010. We beat Concord for the state championship in basketball. Uh, in 2010 at Rocky Mount. So I tell everybody, Rocky Mount brought me my first championship. So I mean, it sounds like we did a great job recruiting. Well, yeah, <laughs> yeah. public school recruiting. That seems like a real thing. <laughs> we had three transfers that year, two from Southwest, and then I came from Northern. Like I said. so <laughs> That's wild. <laughs> was, uh, was Coach Ganey Coach Ganey? Ganey was a coach. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Ganey's going on like year 30, I think. So I mean, he's got to be getting up there in the number of wins, right? Yeah, yeah, definitely. He's uh, he was just inducted into the uh, North Carolina High School Athletic Directors uh, Hall of Fame. That's awesome. So um, yeah, well he, he's reaching a lot of accolades. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's great. That's yep. awesome. So so then you go off to college. You, you went to North Carolina Central University in Durham. Um, it took me five years to get a four year degree. Victory lap, uh, baby. That was it. I, I just, <laughs> just one more, just for funsies. <laughs> I love Durham so much and the college campus and atmosphere. I said, let's stay another year. You know, I, I went there to um, earn my psychology degree, and I stayed there maybe another year before I decided to move back to Rocky Mountain. Mm -hmm. It was decision time. It's like, all right, do I stay in Durham or do I go back home? Um, those were like my only two options that I thought of. And um, at that time, I began to start looking at sort of some of how Rocky Mount was changing and trying to develop. But then at the same time, I was saying to myself, I'm in Durham, so I'm like, this is not happening fast enough. You know, if if, if, if right. we're really going to have people to want to move back home, we've got to make some changes. Uh, so I remember asking my college professor, like, if I want to really make changes, you know, in my local community, what, what's your advice? He was like, well, you can start a nonprofit. Um, you can get into local politics. And you can move back home. And so I took all three. That's what I did. <laughs> <laughs> I did all three. And uh, so I came back home and I sort of started watching, engaging in local politics. I come from a political background with my family. My grandfather was the first African-American county commissioner for Edgecombe County. Hmm. Uh, my other grandfather was a 30-year school board member for Edgecombe County. And so I've sort of been around politics and ministry all my life. So it was in my DNA to a certain degree, but um, I really just always have had a passion and a heart for helping people, serving people, and just sort of being there to try to figure out, you know, what can I do to help you and, and what areas can I help you? And that's what led me to politics, led me back home, and really led me into my call to ministry. So let's talk about, uh, so the move home is, is a simple one, but the, the nonprofit and the politics, you know, that will get us to to sort of where we're going, which is what you're up to now. Yeah. Talk about the the some of the nonprofit work that you've done, and then we can get to the politics side. Uh, so I started a nonprofit called We Fit W E F I T Incorporated, and it came from um, sort of a biblical synopsis about the Hamites 
and the Hamitic hypothesis. And basically, that was a group of people that felt like they did not fit in. And so I created that for younger people um, out of the inner city and poverty sort of stricken uh, kids and environments to show them that they do fit. You know, we do. We fit. And so that was that's where the name derived from uh, for the nonprofit. And it it focuses on at risk male youth from ages eight to 13 or ages eight to 18. Um, and we uh, provide a eight week summer long program called Leadership Academy. Now, mm-hmm. we started out just really being a philanthropic type of group, back to school drives, haircuts, free haircuts, you know, feeding. And then I was like, you know, this is good, but what can we do to really make a sustaining and a substantial impact right. on the community? Longer lasting than That's a quick it. haircut or just eating bags, a meal. You know, that. book yeah. bags. You get a book bag. And it might make it through a semester. In might make it. Might. You know, yeah, that's, might a, that's, question. that's a strong might. So uh, we moved from there into something with more substance um, mm-hmm. and looking to really take that program and turn it into an all-male academy at some point. Uh, this is year four for the leadership uh, summer program. And uh, it's all day during the summer, 8 a.m., 6 p.m. So my world sort weeks, of stops for Monday eight weeks. Monday through Friday, right? Monday through Friday, oh, eight weeks yeah. during the summer. TJ sort of goes missing. You know? I, I remember yeah. talking to you about this last summer and you were like, yeah, give me like two and a half months and I'll be back. Yeah. I'm like, where are you going? He said, nowhere. I'm just, I'm just going to be real I'm busy. busy. Yeah. yeah. Be real busy. Talk, yep. talk us through what that camp is like, what the summer camp is, you know, the programming, um, you know, some of the next steps, but then also like what you'd like to see it develop into. Man, it's a everyday, uh, a everyday grind. So, uh, the young men, they've got sort of a ritual they do every morning for breakfast. Um, and then a famous saying they have, it's called the Black Man Pledge, uh, that they say every day sort of to just inspire them and ingrain and enrich them with a positive pledge every day that lets them know who they are, what they can be, what they can do, uh, and the endless opportunities that we have in America and in the world. Uh, so that's how the day gets started. It's very high energy. Uh, we have a round table where we just sit down and talk because as men, I feel like, you know, our conversations were either in the barbershop or maybe in the gym outside of that. You know, we don't really have a space where we just talk as men and we need it. And so we have this round table that could go from 15 minutes to an hour, you know, just depends on how the morning is going for the guys. Mm. Uh, and that pushes us into some of our curriculum, which our curriculum is based on financial literacy, um, character development and positive exposure. Um, and so we have a morning session where we'll deal with either one of the three. Um, each week they have a character development word where we build on every day. You know, uh, so that that's a that's definitely an essence of what we do. Uh, and then we go to lunch, and after lunch, we're either out in the the real world looking at some trades or some type of uh, career development, or have a speaker come in from all different walks of life, mm. and um, or we're taking a trip somewhere. So. Uh, that's pretty much every day how it goes. It's not. It's not much downtime. Not much downtime at all. It's preferred. You prefer not that many downtime whenever you're at a camp. That's that's intense, especially young kids. Yeah, yeah. you got to tire tire them out. Yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> that way they go home, go to bed, come back the next morning, ready to go again. That's it. Oh, and they're ready too. Yeah. What's the next? Wh- how do you make the jump from like a summer camp and, and that curriculum to more of like a a year round type of academy? I mean, obviously, there's a completely different set of program or, or curriculum, but 
how do you how do you make that? Or is that something you're trying to do to make it? Yeah, longer yeah, term? yeah. The the, the all male academy is the end goal. Okay. Um, and so I think figuring out how we take the curriculum for summer and extend it to meet sort of whether it's charter school or private school because there are different restrictions for both. Mm-hmm. I think private charter may be the way. There's a lot of legislation that's changing, and so I think private charter may be the way, or maybe public charter, but. I know you have a lot of more lenience with uh, private charter where you can really do what you want and teach what you want. You don't have to worry about so many state mandated uh, exams and, and curriculum. So I think private charter is going to be our goal. Uh, but funding is the other side of that um, that you have to account for when you look at just insurance of facilities, when you look at staff. Um, I mean, there's just a whole litany of boxes that have to be checked off when it comes to just school. So I think sitting down in Oregon, which I started on this years ago, looking at public charter and I sort of just like, all right, let me put this to the back burner. It was a little bit more than what I thought. Mm -hmm. Um, But I think really getting a team together that understands the importance of a, um, a gender sort of uh, isolated school, having that team together and having them help me build it. That's the next step. Because it's going to be something I can't do by myself. You know, it's yeah. a lot bigger than me. Oh yeah, that definitely is going to take a team first, and you got to start with the pilot, yeah. you know, pilot program for a, a few kids and a small teaching staff, and grow it from there. That's it. Yeah, that's, it. that's great. So that's 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 the nonprofit work. Yeah. You're also a ministry. Yeah, yeah. My, um, so I've I've been I was an assistant pastor for six years at Ebenezer Baptist Church, where my granddad has been pastor for fifty two years now and so um i stepped in there as assistant pastor for six years um i spent a year at inglewood baptist church as their worship leader and then from there i moved to weldon baptist church which is my first sort of executive pastor role where i'm the lead pastor and so that's been that that's been it's been great uh it's been only a few months i was uh i had my actual ordination services pastor in January of 20 this year. Uh, but I had been the interim since about maybe October of last year. So I've been there a few months. Um, but since January from now, it's been, you know, it's different once, once you're actually named the guy or the girl or the lead, it's, it's a, t- it's totally different. So from being interim to now, there's been, you know, a lot of different challenges because people see you differently, you know, now you're the pastor. And so, you know, now everyone has a need or a want or, you know, they pull on you differently. And so uh, it's been different just trying to my first step is really just trying to learn the people, the culture and the community of Weldon, because being in Rocky Mount all my life, you know, that's what I know. That's really where I want to pastor. But God sent me elsewhere. So, you know, I take that 30 mile drive every week, make it happen. But uh, for right now, first six months, just trying to learn people really the first year learn people, learn the team that I have and present them with vision that I feel like God has given me to see who's on board with vision and who's not. And then how do we move from there with creating this team to make it work? Talk about the community of Weldon. What What is, what are some of the differences between Rocky Mount Weldon? So Besides uh, obvious, the, size. Yeah. The major difference I was about to say is uh, Weldon has about 1200 people. So <laughs> to Rocky Mount, that's tough. That's like a neighborhood, <laughs> you know. But even with it being so small, 
you'd be surprised at just how many challenges there are in a community that small. Mm. Uh, but it's one of the poorest towns in the state of North Carolina. So they have a, a very, very high uh, poverty rate and also a large unemployment rate. And so as a church and as a community, um, some of our goal is trying to figure out how can we really uh, touch kids at a grassroots level and at an early age to build on some of their developmental skills so that they don't follow that path of the culture around them you know, and present them with opportunities that can expand them beyond what they know, but then also instill in them what they need to be developed uh, if they don't move away, you know, hey, you can still stay here, but let's develop you to, first of all, get out of poverty and to get out of a poverty mindset, uh, which is hard to do when you stay somewhere, but it takes a lot of work. It can't be done. Mm-hmm. And so uh, that's really, that's been our biggest, that's our number one. Like we've taken, the, par- the church has a parsonage and they say, hey, listen, we have a parsonage right on church grounds. Um, our pastors and family all- can always stay in the parsonage. And I told my wife, I'm like, you don't know, we're turning that into our youth center, the youth development center. And so that's what we're in the process of doing now, turning the parsonage over to a youth development center so we can really start helping to develop kids out of the poverty mindset and out of the poverty lifestyle, regardless of if they want to stay there or not. I was literally just talking to a guy uh, yesterday morning. He's got sort of a, it's like a stepsister sort of thing and the girls, and it's very similar scenario very very low income area she has very low expectations of herself because she's just always been stuck in this like it's how she sees the world therefore it creates the life that she's pursuing because she doesn't know anything better you know what mm-hmm. i'm saying and i think that's something uh correct me if i'm wrong i think the vision like being able to provide someone a vision is sort of like a light of hey your life doesn't actually have to look like that like i know that's all you see and it's hard for you to understand that there's more outside of the world. Like there are greater jobs or there's capacity to go earn something. Or there's just simply like you don't have to partake in these things because everyone else is doing it, even though you just assume that's what you do. Uh, I think that's a good thing to like people have to understand is like you don't have to live the way you see living because that's not actually how life has to be and, yeah. and providing some sort of alternative perspective. Yeah, no, that's a great synopsis, man. And that's the truth. You know, the work and challenge is just helping people, you know, get beyond what Mm -hmm. we see, you know, because being a psych major, uh, we we are a lot of what we see because that's what's written on our, as psychologists call it, the uh, Tabla Rosso effect. I think Sigmund Freud. Tabloroso. Yeah. That's a fancy word right there. (laughs) To to your point about the individual. <clears throat> then you start giving multiple individuals a bigger vision and that creates a bigger effect in the city. Mm-hmm. So we've talked about nonprofit, we've talked about your ministry. I think your point exactly about an individual goes the same uh, and holds the same sort of the argument holds at a city level too. You know, people uh, have lived here for all their, all their lives and they don't, Hmm. They haven't seen anything else. Yeah. So they don't know what Rocky Mount or the Twin Counties necessarily could be. could be. Right. And we were talking about this with, with some of the other media companies in the area and, and development and that type of stuff. So let, maybe let's transition to the political side of things. What What is it that you wanted to accomplish or what vision or things did you want to put into yeah. other people's uh, psyche that, that are not currently in well, our area? 
Like, what, what what vision did you want to give people, or why did you get into politics? Yeah, because yeah. you said when you moved back, your goal, yes, your professor, you said, how do I change? How do I help impact my community and grow it to make it better? So, yeah, like, what was it that you, at that time, were wanting to really see improved? Because you got methods, but what was the picture in your head? So, for me, um, and it was just back to, like, it what turned into my campaign platform, which was just bridging generational gaps. And I believe that's what uh, the Telegram and their ex heard about me when I ran. They wrote, you know, he's looking to be uh, a bridge builder, generational gap, uh, just a, a, a force of unity uh, within the city. Because I'm under the understanding man, that you, you can do a lot of things separately, but you can really make uh, a long standing uh, impact and uh, very innovative and creative ways if you do it together and work together in unity. So that was like the main goal. What can I do to bring people together? Like in everything I do, in every type of, if it's, whether it's a program, whether it's an event, whether it's anything with my name on it, I want it to always be seen as, hey, he brought people together to a common place, to maybe where they may not have been comfortable being, but they came together for the sake of being together for whatever reason. Uh, so that was like the number one goal. Secondly, okay. uh, was like youth development. Uh, that was my campaign slogan, YEP, yep. So youth development, economic yep. development, and, par- and that's what I used to say. <laughs> <laughs> and partnering with uh, partnering with like public safety officials. So with youth development, I, I felt there weren't a lot of opportunities for youth to understand that we had, even if they, even if they were operating. I felt like people just didn't know about what was going on. Mm -hmm. And then there were a lot of different things, just like boxing. Boxing was something that I was able to get implemented within the first four years of of my campaign uh, or me being in office. Uh, That was just something, just having more youth development and more of a youth focused type of uh, government, you know, that placed emphasis that made an investment in the youth outside of what was already going on. I'm not saying that things weren't happening, but, when I grew up, you 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 knew where your local leagues were. You know, you knew summertime. You knew there were summer jobs. You knew there were sports teams that you had in the communities. You know, you you had all these different facets of youth development that were going on. But as times changed and as technology grew, that's one thing I felt like the city didn't necessarily grab hold to was that technological advancement but then also being able to still bring people along to let them know hey this is available this is what's going on so i wanted to make sure i put an emphasis in that and then too being young and running for office i wanted that to be seen too from other younger professionals and younger people in the city like hey you know there's a space for us too as a millennial or whatever generation you're from, there's a space for me to be younger and to be at this table of individuals that are historically a lot older than me. Mm-hmm. And I can do it at a young age and be effective in doing it. Um, and my ideas matter and my age matters and what I bring to the table, it, it has a place. So I wanted that to be seen. And just economic development, you know, coming from Durham, I saw what happened in Durham. When I was in Durham, 2010 to 2015, in 2010, Durham looked totally different than it did in 2015. Facts. And yeah. so I'm just sitting, you know, I'm in my dorm, I'm looking around, and I'm just looking at everything that's going on. And for years, Rocky Mount has always been known in smaller pockets as the little Durham or smaller Durham. So I'm saying, hey, if Durham can do this, you know, why can't we why do can't it? Why can't we? You know, and, and, and so – um, just being in Durham, seeing economic development, capital broadcasting, which I'm so glad they're in Rocky Mount, you know, because mm-hmm. it, it just shows 
if they see it, you know, they're like, hey, we're in Durham. Yeah. They skipped all these places and came to Rocky Mountain. Yeah, Wilson, Zebulon, Nightdale. Well, it's because we're better than those places. Those places suck. Greenville. <laughs> <laughs> that's the honest answer. Hey, I'm just saying how I feel. You know, that's why I live in Rocky Mountain. I don't live there. That's it. But, so, good. But I, I think that uh, the the aspect that I'm really liking here is that you you clearly came back with a vision. And I think going to Durham really helped open up. I don't know if it opened up your eyes. Maybe yeah. am I saying the wrong thing? But no, uh, like it kind of gave you like, oh snap! Like this says there's some capacity here. And now, uh, obviously, we don't always know exactly correct methods and whatever. But I, I like the idea that. Uh, what, so my question being is. If you're looking back at Durham, what's like one thing that you that you really sticks in you about Durham that you'd like to see here in Rocky Mount? Oh man, the one thing, My, honestly, the one thing is the different food options. Okay, you know, that is that's a great one. You know, yeah. you you could just you didn't have to have the same food options for Rocky Mount. It was always Mayflower. It was always K and W. Mm. It was always Golden Corral, Western Sizzling. You know, and you had those, but now I've been to Golden Crown a long time. That's, uh, I'm, I just feel fat thinking about it. I also just realized all four of those restaurants were on 301. So <laughs> exactly, but I mean, it's like now you've got Panera and you've got Freddy's. Barley and Burger. You got Bar, and it's starting to get better. It it's is. Oh, it's better, but there's What's still guy, room. Um, got local chains. What's the, the, oh my goodness? Okay, yeah, uh, Z right? Z, Z, yep. Z. You just open that other place. What's the Caribso. Caribso. That's yeah. it. I couldn't remember. Oh, I couldn't remember uh, the name. Okay, it's, 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 they just had a soft opening yesterday. Okay. Yeah, you literally, oh, you literally, literally just posted it, uh, okay. our, our own social media, but your wife posted it online nice. for us. <laughs> yes. So I saw it. Thanks, Morgan. It looks pretty good. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, we'll have to check it out. But there, there is a lot of, in my opinion unmet demand not just in downtown but but in the city in general for certain uh flavors yeah mediterranean yeah. like barbecue i mean we some of the stuff like we just don't have enough of it or we just have like a chain you know which they're good but yeah. you can't yeah. eat um smithfields every day like you'll true. you'll die when you're 40 i That's mean, it, mean you know we, so. we, we always had gardeners which is good yeah you know, we always had our regular spots. Right. But now to see how the city, you know, Durham, I mean, even in 2010, you could just, they had a catalog. Yeah. You could just have food just shipped to you right on the dorm mm -hmm. from mm -hmm. anywhere, you know. And I think healthy food, too, is is kind of a key part of that. Like, we don't, yeah. you know, Rocky Mountain is, is in Eastern North Carolina. I personally Carolina. don't care if it's healthy. <laughs> yeah, That's you just, don't care. I'm just giving you my honest answer but, here. Uh, I, I just want I I to need, taste good. I need healthy, but... Right. Yeah, I'm not looking for healthy when yeah. I wake up. No, like I, if I want to eat healthy, I'm gonna cook it myself. That's if it. I want to go out there and are, eat, I want to eat something are, that tastes good. <laughs> there are healthy but great tasting things. Uh, maybe this is the Chapel Hill coming out of me. Yeah, but I'm sorry. When you walk down the street and you go to Kava, have you ever had Kava? I don't even know what you're saying. Yeah, that's not even yeah, exactly. You're missing out. <laughs> you get a bowl from Kava and it is like it's fresh Mediterranean. It's Chipotle. It's mm. Chipotle basically, but it's Mediterranean style. Yeah. I mean, and I could name you five others that are the same way. Med Deli. There's other ones. I'm on a Mediterranean kick because I think. I say you've literally only named Mediterranean know, only restaurants. Med <laughs> but there's like Caribbean, there's American, there's Italian. Yeah. Uh, and we just, you know, I think there's room for that, especially yeah. with the event center and some of the travel that's coming here with the sports complexes, et cetera, et cetera. So. Definitely. Man. Um, we're And we're building. That's, that's something else. You know, now that I'm, all of those things sort of were like my vision of coming here. Mm -hmm. Now my vision is sort of being reimagined to think about how can we 
rebrand ourselves like what what do we do and what do we do well in Rocky Mountain sports tourism is like our thing yeah like, it is yeah there's a big piece of that um i'd say manufacturing is obviously as part of the job base economic yeah. base yeah, yeah. yeah. Yep. um now that you are you've been a council member for how many years four years now four years you're running for re-election they're four-year terms or four-year terms. four-year terms um what do you want to see happen in the next four years or eight years yeah first or 60 uh, or 68 years or 60. <laughs> so the first thing i want to see is um the city really updating our comprehensive strategic plan sure and creating a roadmap for where we need to be um so i mean that's that's goal number one if we can get that accomplished i think a lot of things will start to fall in place yeah Um, but then also looking at some neighborhood revitalization and how we revitalize our neighborhoods that have historically just been uh, abandoned and just underdeveloped and just i mean um, it's just taking the boards off of the houses man and really having lively neighborhoods and people stop because what what that does like we were talking about earlier it creates a psyche of people feeling that okay this is my environment and this is my standard of life you know and i've got to live in this area that looks a certain type of way and that's really that doesn't have to be the reality you know but when you create that uh, and you don't change that it sort of it, it becomes indebted into people's psyche so I want us to help and do our part by revitalizing some of these neighborhoods. I'm ready for the National Guard Armory to be redeveloped. Uh, that was like one of my big projects we went in. I actually camped out at night uh, to keep the city from turning that into a police locker, and it worked. So, What's the plan there now? Uh, Boys and Girls Club's looking to do a teen center. There. That's great. That's uh, awesome. So they're that under would help the, that whole neighborhood there yeah, off yeah. of Raleigh Boulevard and, and Tillery and, and all that. So And Capital Broadcasting, they own the baseball field. Baseball field, yeah. So, and the fire station right in front is scheduled to start construction in the end of 2023. So uh, it's a lot going on. Yeah, absolutely. So you talked about the comprehensive plan. Um, are there any other areas that are sort of strategic I mean, that, that's really all-encompassing. But are there particular areas as a part of the plan that are strategic, you know, f- for you or you're very much interested in? Yeah, for me, definitely that that whole uh, Raleigh Boulevard corridor, I want to see that in the plan and how that fits into the plan, um, along with neighborhood revitalization. And then downtown, you know, um, I think as we grow and as the city develops, you've got to have a unique and inviting downtown because that's what is going to drive a lot of economy. You know, that's going to be an economic development piece that moves beyond measures. Um, and seeing how different industry moves into the city and how it plays a part into our economic development. I mean, those are sort of my main, you know, just sort of visionary tentacles uh, that I'm sort of like really champion on. Let's get this done. Let's get it done. And what I want to see. Absolutely. How about, um, how how has the transition gone with the the city manager coming in and uh i mean i've been just outside looking in been impressed he seems to be very even keel and seems like a nice guy so it seems like he's really kind of sinking his his teeth in and getting to work so he's solid man he's um he's a visionary transformative leader um he listens he knows how to use what he has to get maximum production that's what I, that's what I've heard from some of his employees is that he's a a maximum production guy. Like that's a pretty accurate word. They said that he uh, he said I don't really care how you get it done per se. I just want you to do it 
as best as possible and produce. I just want you to produce. So whatever it is, just do it at the highest level and we're good. And everyone's like, he's not like overbearing on them, but he's just like, I expect you to produce and that's it. And people are like, okay. And it seems like they are. That's it, man. He's not a micromanager. Just like you said, here's the job. Get it done. Get it done right so that we don't have to go back and redo anything. Right. And he's doing all of this without a uh, finance director. Without he's he's one um, assistant city manager short. There are a bunch of different other just loopholes. Actually, our our actual uh, development director. Uh, we've just got an interim in that department. We've got a couple of interims and some director um, figurehead positions, and so. I mean, he's doing it with a, a team that's got tons of holes and gaps. Yeah, but that he's, he's got to stabilize work. and fill in. That's it. Yeah. But he's making it work. And, um, you know, his first 60 days have been he made a very bold move by increasing our police starting salary to 60000 which was one of the highest, if not the highest, starting salary in the state of North Carolina. And um, that's been great. Which know. I think that is great. I, I did hear some of the commentary from uh, – the fire department folks, and I'm sure they'll be heard and listened to. <laughs> yeah, they showed up at a, at a council meeting and <clears throat> were kind of like, well, you know, we respond to the uh, 911 calls too. So, and uh, yeah, but you know, hey, it's, um, it's a debate just, that's to be had, I'm that's sure. Nat- oh, natural yeah. human human nature. Yes. Yeah. And they're, you know, their budget will be adjusted in our upcoming budget too for the next fiscal year. And everybody will be back happy. But the thing I've learned about government is no one's, everyone's never always pleased. What? You know? No. Yeah, man. I feel like that should be always true in life, you know? <laughs> everyone's never always pleased. You know, Thanks. you're going to have some people that are pleased and you're going to have different people that aren't pleased. And yep. it seesaws, you know, so that's some balance, man. To take that manager role, I mean, even as a council member, but to take that role as the manager, you know, he, he's going to be good. And I'm, I'm praying we can keep him here a while so he can grow with us. Mm-hmm. He's uh, 36 years old, and um, he's got a young family. And he's really, you know, he's in a position where he's looking for somewhere to grow and to stay yeah. and to really plant his roots. So if we want to keep him here a while, we can. That's right. Yeah, <laughs> that's good. I, I was hoping for somebody like that that was young, younger, and, you know, wanted to, you know, build a career. It may not be his last stop. Per yeah. se, but uh, I hope but it's, it's a, his last stop. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, but I hope it's a stop. <laughs> At least here for uh, a he stops here like for a while. while. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, it's gonna be pivotal. Yeah, to yeah. his career. Yeah, yeah, yeah. To the city. So, um, that's great. That's great. Is there anything else you wanted to discuss in the political side of things? Um, we've so our assistant city manager position is open. I think our um, fire chief position. I don't know if that's closed yet. Or I'll not. take it. Take the no, fire chief. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> isn't that how that works? Just I think that might. I think you actually have to have yeah. qualifications. So, my, hair's, uh, my hair's red. I'm ready. I'm on fire. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> and it might work. You, you, know, know. you never know. It's my campaign. Put in the show. app. Yeah. Um, uh, downtown development manager position is open, which that's going to be very, very pivotal for our development downtown. And um, other than that, politically, I mean, I'm up for re-election. So if you're in war for it, make sure you vote for me. Uh, just throw that out there to everyone listening. Uh, but uh, but yeah, politically, I think the city is as much as we can continue to focus on solutions and not just personal um, sort of vendettas or um, personal self-interest. Mm-hmm. Um, man, the city's going to continue to flourish. It has no other option. Geographically, 
we're located to where phenomenal location we we have no other option but to grow and to develop especially with what's going on in raleigh and durham we're getting all the leftovers and so yeah luckily they're good leftovers <laughs> <laughs> luckily luckily uh well before we let you go um i did mention that you're a, a husband a father a pastor a politician but you're also a singer yeah yeah what kind of music do you do? Um, you do? So I, I consider it inspirational um, um, or gospel. Gospel is known as the good news. And then also, you know, um, I, I talk about Jesus too. So um, it could be considered religious, but I consider it to be inspirational, man. I've, my, my latest single is called Focused. And so um, it's a song that just says, you know, take one day at a time. Lord, for my sake, help me to take one day at a time. Man, I just got to stay focused. I think I've seen you on some reels here and there at La Rama. Yeah, is yeah. That, is that a spot that you frequent? Yeah, man. Me you, and, you got uh, a show coming up sometime soon? Folks can come out and check it out? Maybe. Not anything scheduled. Um, and the summer's about to – so it may not be anything again to the fall. Oh, gotcha. Okay. Unless we can do something before May is over with. Sure. But me and Caleb – man, Caleb's a, a guitar player – He's uh, Caleb Merritt. Uh, he plays acoustic. He plays lead guitar. And we just go and we just do a one hour or so set of just some oldies but goodies and some recent stuff and some original stuff. And we do it at Larima because they've got the just the perfect setup to do it. Yeah, a little mini stage. Yep. And, Intimate yeah. vibe. And it's, 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 it's perfect, man. Shout out to Kevin and Larima, too. That's the second person that we've interviewed today. today. That show. I've told that yeah. we wanted to get Kevin on the podcast, so yeah. um, we're going to get him at some point. We'll just go to Larima and do it there. I actually I have gone to Larima and told him a couple times now. Uh, every time I see him and I buy a coffee, I'm like, we're going to have you on the podcast. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> He's got a new extension to his spot, too. He does, yeah. Does little event space. Uh, it's like a little tiny, like kind of shotgun space they'll do they'll open it up for bars and like uh, at night you know they'll do little birthday parties that type of stuff interesting so, yep hmm. i did not know that yep. it's a direct competitor to you i'm gonna shut them down <laughs> no, just kidding <laughs> just kidding, <laughs> just kidding. Uh, very different space but uh yeah. tj man this is this has been great is there anything else you want to tell our audience or any any other ask you have uh anywhere our audience can support you well, i actually have a question before we close before we close. uh with the I can't remember what you called it. Uh, the the academy. Uh, I'm sorry for not remembering the name. Is there any way for people to help out in some way, assist or uh, partake in that? I mean, like, because it seems like if you're going to be busy for eight weeks intensively from 8 a.m. to 6 p.m., maybe there's ways for people to come in and assist, whether it's setting up tours for you to go uh, view those businesses or discuss other opportunities. Like, is there is, is there anything in your mind that you think people could help with? Definitely. Um, so we fit TM at gmail.com. We fit. Thank you. That's W E F I T T M at gmail.com is our website. You can email that website um, for any questions or any type of support you feel like you can offer. Emailing that website is the best. My direct number is 252 567 1044. It's 252 567 1044 for anyone that wants to reach me directly. Um, and then, of course, all donations can be mailed to 301 South Church Street, Suite 234, Rocky Mountain, North Carolina, 27804. That's 301 South Church Street, Suite 234, Rocky Mountain, North Carolina, 27804. And you can make your checks um, made payable to WeFit, Inc. 
but uh that that's really uh, about it man and we've got okay. some interns this year from wesleyan that'll be helping out this is our first nice. year for that nice we normally have um workers that come through osc has a youth program where some workers come through their program to work which helps out a lot because we don't have to pay them for staff mm -hmm. they're paid through oic so if we can have more of that to happen where we can hire more youth in the city and sort of create this continuing uh rollover effect where kids can see a program see a program ran start to run a program i think that helps like earlier i was talking about the vision of just instilling in them that they don't have to be a product of their environment you know mm -hmm. there's you know there's a level um that they can push themselves beyond and but you got to develop them in doing it this is one of those ways yeah absolutely for sure absolutely sweet well this was great hey man thanks thank for coming on tj man, thank good luck for this fall you got my vote even though i don't live in worth <laughs> no, i can't vote for it so. <laughs> appreciate it man but uh we will get the vote out good luck to you thanks for coming on tj walker thank you